0: All right, so we're closing out the series that we started uh, a couple weeks ago, Sabotage. And uh, in this series, uh, we've talked about ways that you can wreck your faith. So there's certain bad habits, certain bad attitudes that you can have that will really bring destruction to your faith if you're not careful. And we talked about the first one was uh, offense, being easily offended, easily angered, that sort of thing, especially if that offense is directed at God, if you're really easily offended by what God's doing. Last week we talked about fear. Fear can be a crippler. I mean, it can just absolutely cripple people in their life, in their faith, in their families, all that kind of stuff. So this week we're going to talk about, um, the the last one is isolation. Isolation. If you are a person who tends to isolate, um, this can really bring disaster to your faith because uh, you've heard me say, if you've been here very long, you've heard me say it a thousand times, Christianity is not a solo sport. It was never, this faith was never designed to be a solo sport. And you can talk a big game about, hey, it's just me and Jesus and all that kind of stuff. But the fact of the matter is when you separate your faith from the church, you're setting yourself up to fail. That this faith was meant, designed by God, by Christ, to be lived out in the context of a deeper community. And when you isolate yourself, really, really bad stuff happens. So this last week... Uh, I got to spend uh, four days out in the woods with with my my little girls. We went camping. Jamie's in Washington D.C. leading a junior high uh, field trip, and and so uh, she gets back tonight. So it was just me and the girls this last week, and uh, so we headed up to Humboldt Redwoods, and we were deep in the redwoods, and I, I just love it up there. It's like, it's my happy place, and uh, and so just just having a great time. Well, one of my favorite groves up there is this little. It's a kind of out of the way grove, and it's called. The Greek French Bell Grove, and it is absolutely gorgeous and it's not so gorgeous because of the huge trees, although it does have some big trees um, it's gorgeous because of the undergrowth. the clover and the ferns are thick and lush, and I mean you can't escape uh, there's living stuff all around you. I mean, it is just lush, lush, lush. And, and, and it's also got these spider webbing trails that go off in all different directions. It looks like if, if, if fairies live anywhere, they live in this grove. I mean, it just looks like where fairies would live, right? And so uh, it's just an absolutely beautiful grove. And because of all these differing trails that spider around all through this grove, it's an awesome place to play hide and seek. And so as me and, and uh, Isla and uh, Meadow and Jordan, the three of us, Meadow and Jordan are eight. Isla's 12 now. She had a birthday this week. And, uh, and so uh, we, we decided, you know, we, we did a bunch of hiking around in this grove, and then we decided, let's play hide and seek. And so Isla and I had our phones with us. And we set timers for like 10 minutes, and then her and Meadow went off in one direction. Me and Jordan went off in another direction. And then when our alarms went off, whoever found each other first you know, one. And so, but we had, but we, we, me and I each had one bar of of a signal on our phone. And so we were like, okay, if you get lost or you get something weird happens, text or call or whatever. So, so me and Jordan are, are creeping through the forest and we go to this one side of this grove that is not as heavily traveled as the other side. And so the, the, the trails become a little dim and there's a lot of, I mean, you know, you're really, you know, bushwhacking through there. And so we're going through, and we're just looking at everything, and oh my gosh, look at that, look at that. And we're also trying to kind of be quiet, see if we can hear them, but you can't, because if you don't know anything about the redwood forest, like they are sound dampening. You, I mean, you, you can't hear but just a little bit around you, and, which is what makes them so awesome. So every, but every once in a while, we would kind of stop and listen, can we hear the girls? No. And then we saw this one tree that was really unique looking, and we're sitting there looking at it, and it's like, let's just look at the tree for a second, and see if you can hear the girls, and we're sitting there, and it's, it's like dead, dead silent. Except for there was this weird bird in the forest. That imagine a creaking door sound in a horror movie. That was the call of this bird. It was the creepiest thing, and and we were trying to find this. But anyway, so we're we're, we're kind of being silent, and every once in a while we, hear, we would hear and that sort of thing. And we're sitting there and listening, listening, listening. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue. My phone has a really obnoxious ringtone, and it just goes off full volume. And I jumped, and I gave out a big "Holy crap!" You know that sort of thing. <laughs> and, and, and Jordan jumped, and it was it was Isla. You know, she was like, "Where are you guys at?" You know, and so we finally found our ways back to but, but but here's the thing about like sometimes this is what I like because I I love camping, and part of the to me the part of the draw of camping is the isolation. I like getting out away from the hustle and the bustle I like getting out away from uh responsibilities you know that I Norton would normally have or or what I just I like the getting out and 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 but while that is a good uh use of your time once in a while and I and even spiritually in a sense it's a good it's even Jesus got off to a quiet place on a pretty regular basis right that that kind of devotional like you know, take a big deep breath, unwind, you know, allow God to download some stuff into you. That's really healthy. That's really good. But if you live your entire life isolated and you were t- your entire faith journey isolated, then that's not a good thing. It's really, really not a good thing. Because what happens is this life is hard. This life of following Christ, if I'm just gonna be honest with you, it can be Really, really hard at times. Is it, is it better than life without Christ? Absolutely, it is. But that doesn't mean it's easy. That doesn't necessarily mean it's easy. And when we are isolated and, 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 and cut apart from our support systems, from any encouragement that we might get from each other, from any accountability that we might get from each other, when we cut ourselves off, we are easy pickings for the, in, for the enemy. And, and the Bible actually talks about that. We'll look at that, that in just a second. But first, I want to read this verse from uh, the book of Romans, Paul's little letter that we call Romans. <coughs> it's in Romans chapter 12. He's talking about all of us kind of collectively, the church together, and he uses this really great imagery. He says this, starting with verse, verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you sober it's like think of it like be sober minded be be clear thinking about who you are what you're capable of who God is how all this kind of like and the reason he says that is because we tend to go with pipe dreams we tend to go towards kind of out there thinking about well you know you ever you ever hear somebody's thoughts somebody you, you never hear it in yourself but you ever hear somebody else's thoughts and you go that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard anybody say in my life. But you don't want to say that to him because you don't want to be rude. And so you just go, you know, God bless you. And, or something like that. And, and, uh, and so, but, but we tend to think things about ourselves that aren't realistic, these kind of pipe dream type plans or life strategies or whatever. And, and, and if Paul knows that about us. He's like, be clear headed, be clear headed. He's like, Think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, talking about our physical bodies, and we've got hands and feet and legs and arms and all all this stuff, then these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So the, the image he uses for the church is that of a body. He's like like, this is not you, you know, again, this is not a solo sport. We're all part of a team here. We're all part of a body, and, and, and we all make up the different members of that body. We all have different functions, just as all the different parts of the body have different functions. All of us in this room, uh, all, all of us in this community of believers have different functions. And he goes on in verse uh, six, and he says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying," then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And so again, he's, that, that image of all of us having different roles, different parts of this one body And the the reason that is such a critical and and, uh, powerful image for us to think about in terms of this idea of isolation is that we, as members of one body, if we isolate ourselves off from the rest of the body, then the body becomes weaker. The body becomes weaker. If the body is missing that arm or, or that leg or that heart, or that whatever, I mean, it, then it's just, it makes it more difficult for it to do the things that it called to do. We're actually stronger together than we are separately. There's strength in us being unified and together, and not just showing up here on a Sunday morning and all sitting and facing this way, you know, that's, not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about all of us contributing, like God has gifted each of you in a very specific way, and he didn't do that for you. He did that for us. Like we we have we have a tendency to think about our spiritual gifts as, hey, look, I've got this gift and I've got this gift, as if it's some sort of competition, you know, or whatever. Like like that's not what spiritual gifts are. God gave you. Spiritual gifts, not for you, but for the good of the body. And when we're using those and we're working all of those together, then that's a really really good. So the big point I want to mention here is this, that isolation equals weakness. Isolation equals weakness. If you isolate yourself from the church, I can't emphasize this enough, there is no Christian faith without the church. Go find me a verse that contradicts that in the Bible. You're not going to find it. There is no Christian faith without the church. Now, in today's day and age, it's really easy to kind of bag on the church and the church, you know, everything. The Christianity would be fine if it wasn't for the church. And, and I understand the, the why behind that. I understand that a lot of Christians, a lot of churches have really gotten off track and, you know, kind of given Jesus a black eye or a bad reputation. Or uh, I, I have this book in my library called How to, how to uh, Follow Jesus Without Embarrassing God. And we do a really good job of following Jesus oftentimes and embarrassing God, right? We can be kind of nuts about our faith sometimes and so but but it is I understand how it's easy to just kind of pile on the church in that way, but just because there are bad examples of it out there, in fact, the fact that there are bad examples of it out there is proof that there is such a thing as the right way to do church, right and we want to be a church that is about the being the right way to do it like keeping it about Jesus keeping it about what we talk about here glorifying God and giving hope to people uh really loving our loving each other and loving our community like we want to keep the main thing the main thing and do that and we're more we're, like we're stronger together than we are off isolated and, and you know doing that that sort of thing isolation equals Weakness, and Peter uses this. I think it's Peter. Yeah, I got it right. Peter uses this uh, really great analogy of uh, that that really proves this point of isolation equals weakness. And it's really you know that kind of thing of you know uh, you ever watch those nature videos where you got a, a big cat hunting antelope or hunting you know some other you know animal and and they're you know what do they do they they wait they kind of hunt. And they, they see the small one or the weak one or the isolated one, and they go after that one. Right? They don't just d- dive headlong into the middle of the herd. That, that that doesn't make any sense. So they they wait for the isolated one. Peter puts it this way, First Peter chapter five. He says, "Be alert." And here's that word again, of sober mind. He's like he's again he's the emphasis like think clearly, think clearly. You're not as great by yourself as you think you are think clearly about this. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. I love that he he connects this wisdom back to the family of God. He was like, you know that 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 the devil's just trying to isolate you so he can destroy your faith. And the whole family of God, all over the world, knows this too. And he's like, You didn't know that? Oh, you must not be a part of the family. Get involved. Jump in. Like you're isolating yourself. Stop isolating yourself. Get back in here. It's critical. Isolation is the same as weakness when it comes to our faith. Not just faith, actually, it's life too. If you're a person that isolates yourself in life, you might be brooding and cool but eventually that's going to wear off. That's going to wear off, and you need, you, you need a good support network around you, people who love you, care about you, that you're also loving and caring for. You need that around you. Now, isolation doesn't just work this way in our faith. It Also, like I said, it kind of works this way in our life too, which is very much connected to our faith. Um, this is Father's Day, and... and um, what I've learned over the years of, you know doing ministry is some of the most isolated, feeling people, uh, lonely, feeling people I know of, oftentimes are husbands and fathers. Sometimes husbands and fathers and I'm, I'm sure you could say the same about wives, too, but uh, from my conversation with a lot of husbands and fathers, uh, many of them feel lonely in their own house. And there's a lot of reasons to that, I think. A lot of it has to do with the, the choices they're making, the way they're structuring their own lives. Sometimes it's other factors, but I, I'm going to take a break for a second. I want you to watch this video. Somebody get the lights for me, and um, just check out this. It's a great little song. Check this out.
1: I am a family man I traded in my Mustang for a minivan This is not what I was headed for when I began This was not my plan I am a family man Something I always knew, but I just never understood. If you'd asked me then. stand on ground so, so let, let the, the rain come down so mm-hmm. I am a
0: fan. All right. Um, that guy's Andrew Peterson, if you want to look up his music. He is awesome. He's my favorite songwriter. But um, here's what I know about uh, husbands and, and fathers. And, and so for a little bit, I want to talk to the husbands and fathers in the room, Okay um not that being a husband or a father is the highest calling in the world or anything like that but but I just want I want to talk to you guys for a little bit and um everybody else can just kind of hang tight um I've talked to so many guys over the years that 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 song speaks so clearly into what is going on in their minds and in their head where they live in this constant kind of grass is greener mentality of looking at what could have been or what they're missing out on or all this kind of stuff, and they, they live just almost miserable, um, unable to see like the blessings all around them, like completely blinded to the amazing life that's been just put right in front of them uh, because they can't get their minds off of what they're missing out on. And and I, I just want to encourage you this morning, like let that go, let that go, because that road—that's that just the road of missed opportunities. It's the road of stupid thinking. It's just—I mean, it is—it is—it just there's nothing good is down that road. Like let go of that thinking and begin to see what's in your life right now. And you know how we talk a big game around here a lot the, about the importance of community and, and doing life together as a church, you know, getting involved in signing up for a growth group or, you know, getting involved in, you know, getting to know people and developing friendships in the church and how, how instrumental that can be in your discipling and in your uh, just growth as a Christian. I, I think the same thing needs to be said about, about family life as well. Some of you, and, and this, may, this might apply to more than just Husbands and dads in the room, it could be kids, it could be moms and wives, it could be anybody. Some of you have isolated yourself even from your family. And you're missing out on some of God's greatest blessings in your life. And I want to encourage you to like dive headlong into community within your own home, within your family. Like learn what it feels like to, to be strengthened by your family. And you, and some of you might be like, if you don't understand my family. <laughs> I had this great camping week uh, this last week uh, with, with those three girls and we had a marvelous time. And the part I left out of the story earlier was at one point we were driving around and I had had it up to here with questions I understand how difficult family can be. I understand that it's not always you know, sweet syrupy songs and you know, things like that, that, that there can be some, some difficult parts to it, right? What I've also come to understand too is that, um, that God's greatest blessing in my life, I'm not, I can't speak for everybody in the room, I'm just gonna speak for me. God's greatest blessing in my life, God's greatest source of strength In my life, is my family. That's absolutely true for me. Absolutely true for me. I wanna read this Psalm, Psalm 127. It's got two parts to it. And most of the time, you hear one or the other, they're both famous parts, but you usually hear one or the other part read. And and so, because, well, you'll see what I mean in a second, but the first part tends to be taken out of context. So, this is it Uh, Psalm 127 unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Now, people, really, really spiritual people quote this verse all the time, and they always quote it out of context. They always quote it in terms of, you know, if, if somebody starts, somebody organized starts making plans around the church, somebody's going to sp- speak up and go, well, you know, unless the Lord builds the house, then the laborers labor in vain, as if plan making is sinful or something, right? That, right? And And that's not what this verse is about at all. So keep, hang on here. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he, God, grants sleep to those he loves. So talking about laboring in vain, trying to build something great. Uh, guarding in vain, keeping watch in vain, trying to protect something on your own, uh, working hard, you know, just work, 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 work in vain. And then the very next, here's where it connects together. The very next verse says, Children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring, a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. He connects this idea of this man who just work, 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 protect, 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 everything under his own power, everything under his own control, trying to out, you know, manipulate the outcomes, trying to just you know, provide, 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 and there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. It's a good thing to be a provider from your, for, your, for your family. So often we get so entrenched in the work and the provision, guys, that we forget why we're doing the work. Why are we doing the work? Because children are inherited heritage from the Lord. Your family, that's what, really, that's what really matters. That's what really matters. Don't lose sight of what it's all for, is what the psalmist is trying to teach us. Don't lose sight of that. I love that, that image of that, that that a family you know a, a, a family is like arrows in a quiver like when you when you build up a family you build yourself to be a stronger man you build yourself to be a stronger like family brings strength i don't i don't know there might be some of you sitting here this morning that are, that are thinking about your family going i don't feel strong in my family right now i don't feel like that's where my strength comes from Can I just encourage you, like, begin to think through that in different ways. Like, ask God to give you fresh eyes for that. Um, Begin to lead your family in such a way that your home is not just your sanctuary, but is a sanctuary for everybody in your family, where everybody feels stronger, everybody feels more secure. Everybody feels a sense of provision. Everybody feels like everything's going to be all right when they are with the family. Like, begin to work towards that. Sometimes, this disconnect from the family, guys, is because you're choosing it, because you are constantly, grass is greener, you're looking at other other families or no families or, you know, people who, whose careers aren't distracted by family or whose vacation plans aren't, you know, dictated by Mickey Mouse or what, you know, you're looking at all that kind of stuff and you're, you're just dreaming about what if, what if, what if. And we, we talk about this in marriage counseling a lot, but, but it's true with the whole family. If the grass is looking greener on the other side, it's because you're not watering your own grass. You need to get busy watering your own grass. Like, begin to invest in that. Build up, and maybe your family is super dysfunctional right now. That's totally plausible, right? Maybe your your, your family is just a hot mess right now, and you're, you're like, I can't imagine this being, you know, a place of peace and strength for me. It can be. Start investing in your family. Start leading in a different way. And I would say, like, well, first of all, let me throw this big point out there, that God's strength often looks like family. God's strength often looks like family. Like, so many times as followers of Jesus Christ, we are praying, God, I need your strength right now. God, show yourself, reveal yourself, like, like be strong, you know, in my life right now. And sometimes it's like, you know, it's like the guy praying for rescue and God's like, yeah, I sent you, you know, the helicopter and the boat and all that, you know, you've all heard that story, right? And so like sometimes, if you hadn't, I just confused you, but that's all right. So so it's like um, sometimes we're praying for God to show up in strong and mighty ways in our life life, and the strength that he has provided for you is already right there and it just looks like your family and you're not seeing it because you've got your eyes set out in too many other directions. Can I say to families too, um, to everybody in the family, like all of you contribute in such a way that that your family feels good and strong and peaceful and healthy. Learn to love each other again. Learn to love each other again. Now I'm gonna close off, I've, I've talked a lot to, to the husbands and dads, I'm going I'm to close off with a quick word to wives and mothers. It's, it's a really rude word, so buckle up. But it's not my word, it's the Bible's word, so be mad at God. <laughs> it's one of my favorite songs, it's one of my favorite Proverbs. It's the best. It is absolutely the best. Proverbs 21.9. Better to live on the corner of a roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. That is, we need that on bumper stickers and coffee mugs. (laughs) Better to live up on the corner, like a gargoyle, on the corner of your roof than in the house with a quarrelsome wife. I've seen this come up over and over, like in marriage counseling, where a lot of times wives will come in and they are You got to fix my husband, fix my, he does this, that, 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 and just on and on and on and on and on. And all, and you you might be like Jeff, but you don't understand. Like he is lazy. He never does anything I ask him to do. He is just on and on and on. And you know, he's rude to me and all of that, all of that. Right. And you might be a hundred percent accurate in that. He might be all of those things. And it still doesn't change the fact that God feels sorry for him that he has to live with you. <laughs> just don't be that wife. Just don't be that person. Like, make a choice. Like... <laughs> just make, make the choice. that why Wives, I say this all the time. And the same is true of husbands, too. I'm not trying to... Again, I'm just going by God's word. I'm trying to be godly here. <laughs> I say this, I say this uh, to, to wives especially all the time it's because a lot of times it is that um, wives feeling very discontent with the husband. Um, but you, you, through your words to him, can build yourself a better man. When you build him up and when you encourage him, when he feels like you are his biggest fan, his biggest supporter that you believe in him, that you, you will build for yourself a better man just with the words that you use towards him. But if you tear him down, the strongest men can be torn down in their own families. But we were talking about earlier, like sometimes the loneliest people are lo- not lonely because they're single, are lonely because they're in a family that's just jacked up, right? I had a grandfather. Uh, this guy was a war. This guy stormed the beaches of Normandy. No joke. My grandfather was on the beaches of Normandy. And we watched my grandmother whittle that man down to a nub for decades. Like he would just go hide in the bathroom for hours at a time, right? Just, to, just, to, just some little respite to get away from the quarrelsome wife thing, right? It's not unique to women. I'm not saying it is. Women, there are some of you in the room that could say, I feel like I'm in the house with a quarrelsome husband, and that very well may be the case. For each of you, become the soft place to land. Become a place of peace and strength and all like start to build up your family in such a way that it really is God manifesting his strength in your life through your family. I'm telling you, when when that begins to fire on all cylinders and you feel like you feel like you really are strengthened by your family, man, there's no better place. That, that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. We can talk all a big game about church projects and mission trips and all and all that stuff is, is well and good and has its place, but I'm telling you when you are living out your calling as a follower of Jesus Christ and working in your family in such a way that God can reveal His strength and manifest Himself through your family, that is is gold, absolute gold. So let's be that, amen? Let's be that. All right, let's pray. Pray this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. one. Father, forgive us uh, when we are tempted to look for your strength and look for your peace um, in places that you have not provided it. Help us to see where it is that you're providing it. God, for those of us in the room that that are family men, Teach us to be, to live, to, to teach us to live in a, a sense of uh, gratitude for the blessings that you've placed in our life. Thank you for our for our spouses. Thank you for our children. Thank you for just the way that you move in our lives and the way you've provided for us, God. Whether we're married or single or 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 whatever, uh, God, we know that when we isolate ourselves we are weak. And so God, help us to seek community within your church. Help us to seek community even outside of the church, in our com- in our community around us, in our families. And um, just connect us to people who you need us to be connected to. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. Happy Father's Day. Everybody have a great week.